to begin the new year than hearing from the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's open our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 26. As I was praying leading up to this month, I felt like God wanted us to look at Jesus in Gethsemane. That word means oil press. That's a place of crushing. In order for you to be able to cook with olive oil, some olives have to basically be destroyed. And we need to understand that we pass through a series of trials sometimes that are designed to bring the fruit of God's life out of us. And the only way that's going to happen, we've got to put to death that old man, that flesh, that carnal nature. In Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36, Then Jesus comes with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he says unto the disciples, Sit here while I go yonder to pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and heavy. He says unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Notice that word watch is synonymous with pray with me. He went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto his disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Father, for the next few moments as we dive into these texts, we pray you speak to all of our hearts. Enrich our prayer lives. Give us the discipline to spend a little time talking to you. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's good to have an example set for you in how to pray. The best way to learn to pray is to see people praying. Some of the best memories you can ever make or were ever made in your life were memories that had to do with people praying. Maybe you can think of your parents or grandparents praying for you. And those memories were foundational to your own Christian life. I think it's good for kids to see mom and dad pray, to see them pray, to hear them pray. Not just mouth something quietly or to just say, this comes out of my heart talking to the Lord, but they need to see a mom and dad that lift their hands in worship. They need to see a mom and dad that heads to church, that bows a knee and prays. They need to see parents and grandparents that pray one for the other. Those kinds of examples are essential, and I know that it's true. That is why Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So John the Baptist set an example for his followers, and the disciples of Jesus were interested in having the same example set for them. I've heard people that have said all of their lives they've never, ever seen 
their father pray or grandmother pray. I remember on one occasion in one of the other fellowships, after we'd been gone for a long time, they were excited about a Thanksgiving gathering because the wife had told me for the first time the adult kids heard their father pray a prayer out loud. Think of that. Well, somebody might think, well, what were they doing all those previous years? I, I don't know, but I can tell you I was just as excited because if he felt bold enough, courageous enough to finally pray, that shows that God was doing a work in that heart as the word of God was being proclaimed. Jesus understands that the cross lay down the road, and he knows he has to get ready for that. That's a pretty big deal. John chapter 13 tells us that while he was seated with his disciples, that he knew that his hour had come. He said, this is the moment where I have to prepare to go to Golgotha. And knowing that, he set his face toward Calvary to go there and to sacrifice himself on our behalf. Some trials are inescapable. There are some things you're going to pass through and I'm going to pass through that we're never going to be able to get away from. There are just some things are going to happen. Just like parents raising children, the teenage years are coming. You may believe that's your cross, but they're coming. And, and when, when we consider that on the path that God has for you, that there are certain things that are inevitable, it's important for you to prepare yourself for that. And the one thing Jesus demonstrates is that we can all go to Gethsemane. Everybody should have a secret place. Everybody should have a time alone with God. Everybody should have some kind of a moment where they can get away just to spend time with God. A husband sometimes should just tell the wife, look, you just go have your devotions with the king. I'll look after the little ones. Sometimes a wife should be able to say that. If possible, if grandparents can get involved, tell mom and dad, you just go spend a little bit of time with the king and we'll look after the little ones because all of us need a, a time with God where we can face the issue that is in front of us. For Jesus, it was a cross. And he had to go to the place where he would be crushed in order to wrestle with the will of God. He said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. There are things you want to do then there are things God wants you to do. And the two aren't always reconcilable. You may have a desire to go in one direction, but you know you're being inwardly compelled by the Holy Spirit to move in a different direction. And unless you come to terms with God's will for your life, you're going to live a frustrated Christian life. There have been plenty of people try to go contrary to God's design, and they ended up in trouble but Jesus understood, and this is why it said he brought with him his disciples and came to this place called Gethsemane. In another gospel, it says he often came there. We should have a place that we go to often to seek God, to pray. If you live out in the country, go out in the field and just walk sometimes. If you're out in the country, just walk a country road sometimes, quarter of a mile or so. Just spend time, you and the king. If you're in town, find a place in the park or a private spot in your home somewhere where it can just be you and God. And you can be out there under God's great heavenly canvas and you can talk to the king and share your heart with him. Speak everything that's in there. No sense in hiding it. He can read your thoughts anyhow. 
Father, you know how angry I am right now about this. You know how frustrated I am about this right now. And I need you to speak to me. I need you to talk to me. I need you to hear me. And you'll find that when you do that, even though other people may not be praying just like you, God's listening to what you have to say. So Jesus, of course, is preparing himself for that cross that he knows he's got to bear, and he can't get away from it. Sometimes we pray that God would lighten our burden, and what God really does is strengthen our back. Because that cross is going to be carried by somebody to Calvary. And Jesus cannot get around that cross. Well, when we look further into this, we see that he knew how to prepare himself, and he did so through prayer. Now, there is a verse in Mark 11 that I'll read to you. In verse 24, it says, Therefore I'm saying to you that whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. There's confidence involved in praying. I don't ever want you to pray just because it seems like it's a ritual or it's just something to do. I don't want you to pray like you're Greek Orthodox and you've got some kind of a talus or a cross in your hand and you need that tangible touch in order for you to get to God. I don't want you to pray like you're Roman Catholic, as though you've got to have beads in your hands and pray and pray to different saints, and just go through the ritual and mouth all kinds of old prayers that people are praying. Absolutely not. I'm saying to you that you're a child of God, and in your relationship with Him, when you pray, you pray, believe in God answers, that you're not wasting words. And when you pray, when you get in your vehicle and you say, Lord, we're preparing for a long journey, we're asking you to give us safe passage there and back. Believe that God answers your prayer. Believe that God answers your prayer. When you step out there on your field and you're praying, saying, Lord, I'm looking for a wonderful harvest this year, then you should pray and believe. He can provide that. God, I'm asking you to bless our business, bless our marriage. God, I'm asking you to help me in what I'm struggling with. But when you pray and those words fall out of your lips, you're not trying to hope them into the presence of God. You're to believe that he's listening and he will answer. That's when miracles occur. That's when the supernatural happens. You don't want to be like people who just go to church and Read old prayers from the 17th century, and they don't no more believe them any more than you believe I'm Chinese today. You want to pray because you understand that God is anxiously, patiently awaiting to hear from you. Well, there are several things that happen when you pray. Number one, when you pray, God gives you vision. You can see things clearer. Now, he, he may only show you an image of something. You may be praying about something and the Lord revealed to you what the problem is and you didn't even realize God just revealed it to you. He just showed it to you just, just by spending time in prayer. God gives the vision when we take time to pray because all of it is based upon the foundation of faith. I believe he exists and he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. I come to God and I pray, and then God can give me a vision. He can show me, here's the answer. Here's how to handle them kids. 
Here's what to do in this particular circumstance. Lord, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I go forward? Do I stand still? Do I retreat and go back? What do I do, God? You pray, he'll give you the vision and show you. Now, he may not show you immediately, but he will show you. So vision is important. Then the second thing, he gives you the, the ability to venture out. The boldness and the courage to step out to do what he has called you to do. You'd be surprised how many people aren't willing to take risks at all. They don't want to be involved with anything that requires risk. They'll tell you, oh, there's no way I can get out on a, on a limb just to see what God will do. Well, that person won't even climb the tree, so you don't have to worry about them getting out on the limb. But if, if, if you're going to do anything for God and, and be, be prosperous at it and be successful at it, you've got to be willing to venture out. Now think about it. God can show you how to do things that have never been done before. He can give you the idea to get that done. I think that a hundred years ago, there were a lot of kids laying around in the grass, the grassy fields, and looking up into the sky and dreaming about one day being up there amongst all of that, wondering what it would be like to be near the moon or on the moon. Somebody dreamt about it, somebody thought about it, somebody meditated on it, but then you all recall somebody made it there. Yeah. It starts with a thought. But once God gives the thought, somebody has to be willing to put things in motion to put it together. And there may be things you have done in your life in recent times that 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago you wouldn't have done. But you ventured out now because of your faith in God. That's where God does wonderful things. Uh, miracles don't happen for people that don't require them, but they do happen for people who walk with God and need them. God no more needs to just demonstrate his power than he needs to halt the sun from moving for an hour and a half. The sun is coming up tomorrow morning whether unbelievers believe in it or not. It's going to be there. And the moon is going to shine whether or not the, the cloud cover. Uh, makes it so that we cannot see it, it's going to be there. So be willing when you pray to do what God is inspiring you to do. So if we pray, God gives us vision. He gives us venture. He also gives us victory. You've got to know that if, if you're praying in these meetings and you're talking to God about 2022, you need to know God's giving you the victory before you begin. Because the devil... He knows if God's talking to you, and he knows that the moment you get up and you start trying to fulfill the will of God for your life, he's going to put obstacles in front of you. But you've got to understand you're, you're bigger and greater than the obstacles because God is bigger and greater than you. He'll attack you physically. He'll attack your finances. He will attack your home. He will attack your business. The devil will come at you any way possible to create distractions and disturbances. But you've got to believe that in 2022, God has provided the victory for you in Christ. See, this is where Gethsemane is. When Jesus entered into that garden where the olive trees were everywhere, he's sorrowful. But when he gets up and he departs, he's bold enough and strong enough to let Judas kiss him on the cheek. Because he knew he was bigger than Judas was. You've got to be the same way. 
Victory comes to the man or woman that wrestles with the will of God and finally yields and submits to God. Jacob wrestled with God in the middle of the night, and when it was over, he knew that he was God's man. So don't ever be afraid of what God has for you. It may provide you with another cross. You may feel inwardly like, oh my goodness, if I obey God, this is going to be the death of me. Well, the death of you is what he's after. Because until you put to death your old nature, those old habits, those old attitudes, Christ can't be manifested and live through you like he wants to. And I've found that self-preservation is a pretty strong motive in most people. I would assume just about everybody in here knows how to swim. But if we were all in a boat and it looked like the boat sprung a leak and there were, let's say, 80 or 90 of us in there and uh, there were only 65 of those little flotation devices, I've got a feeling there'd be a handful of you that would manifest a few attitudes that wouldn't be so godly as you were wrestling for one of them lifesavers. Yeah, I, I guarantee it. And, and, and the reason for that is because we have a strong propensity to preserve ourselves. Now, if it means you have to go down in order for me to stay afloat, then I'll pray for you as you're going down that God saves you. But I want to keep breathing. And, and that's how many people, many people are. But I want you to understand the devil, he's coming at you in many directions so that you'll turn against one another, turn against your friends, turn against your family, because if he can create disunity, he can destroy it all. And a whole lot of churches have been destroyed because they don't pray. But people that pray together, they do what? They stay together. Prayer. It's important to seek God and to know that, that he'll provide the blessings that we, we need. And then also I want to mention that in verse 36 when it says Jesus brought with him his disciples, he knew who to take with him in prayer. He knew who to take. Verse 37 says he took Peter and James and John. Those are the two sons of Zebedee, also called in the Bible the sons of thunder. Uh, now these were the ones that when Jesus was passing through Samaria, the Samaritans were not very nice to Jesus and his disciples. And so these two sons of thunder, they said, well, Lord, why don't we call down fire and burn their whole village? Well, that wouldn't be a godly thing. And that's what the Lord told him. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't, we're not here to burn villages. We're here to help people. But the disciples were angry at how they treated the king. So he says to all of his disciples, when they come into Gethsemane, everybody stay here. But you three, Peter, James, and John, come with me. They went a little further into the garden and then finally, Jesus said to those three, you stay here. I'm going a little further to pray. I'm only going to be a stone's throw away, but I'm going to pray. You pray with me. Watch with me. So you're to be watchmen. Now, I don't know how long Jesus prayed, but those three fell asleep. Those three fell asleep. 
The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The moment you start saying you want to do something spiritual for God and you want to obey God, that natural body gets tired. I told you last week, when you start saying, I'm going to read the Bible before I go to bed, and that'll be the last thing I see before I go to sleep, you pick the Bible up, you read through one verse, and before you know it, you're drowsy. That body is tired. You've worked all day. You come to the end of the day, and that body just instantly gets tired now. And so in a few moments when we get ready to pray, you've got to fight the resistance or fight to resist the temptation to go to sleep on God. There are a whole lot of people that have slept through a whole lot of blessings. If you find yourself sitting there and you're getting drowsy, stand on your feet. I guarantee if you stand on your feet and you get sleepy and you fall and knock your head up against that pew, you'll get up quickly and be wide awake. If you get up and you're standing, you look like you're tired, then start walking. Just start walking. Just move around. Just talk to God. Make sure you spend time with him. Kneel down if you want to kneel down. I like to lay on my belly and talk to the king and just pour my heart out to him. I like to pray for the nations. I'll call out your names individually as I'm praying. I'll pray for the different churches. I'll pray for the communities. I can assure you I never run out of stuff to pray about. But I'm not just reciting names and words because I'm trying to make noise. I'm earnestly praying and asking God, bring blessing to our families. Lord, preserve our families. Open up the eyes of our mothers and fathers to see when the devil is trying to make inroads. Because if Satan is trying to get into your house, mom and dad, he's going to try to get in there through them kids. If he's trying to get into that house, husband or wife, he's going to try to get into that house through a spouse. He's looking for any wedge that he can create that's going to produce division. Because trouble in your home means there'll be trouble in the church. And too many homes in trouble means there'll be a lot of trouble in the church. But if we spend time praying, saying, God, open my eyes to be able to behold where I need to die. Yeah. See, if your spouse has been pointing out something to you in your life that needs to be dealt with, or if God has put his finger on something in your heart that says needs to be dealt with, you need to deal with that here in Gethsemane. Because until you get the victory over that, you're never going to be able to face the cross that's up ahead. You think it's a struggle to fight what you're dealing with now. There's a greater cross up ahead you're going to have to deal with. But if you can conquer an attitude, if you can conquer a bad habit, if you can conquer a bad relationship, then the next thing that the devil throws in front of you, you'll be able to conquer it also. And the more we die, the more he lives. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not about the cross. The cross, essentially, folks, it's about that empty tomb. He went to the cross and died so that he could be buried and he could come up out of that grave. And he wants to live in you, and he wants to live in me. And the more of Jesus that is revealed in all of us, the more people see in a local church. People go to a church, they say, well, what's, what's the church like? Well, there should be a manifestation of Jesus there. And there should be a great love of God that's in that church, the fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. All of that comes through seeking God. If you've been wanting God to fill you with the Holy Ghost, let this be a time in Gethsemane where you're talking to the king and you're saying, Oh God, I desperately need this fountain to be filled with your, your living water. 
If you're needing God to touch you physically in your body, say, God, I lay here as an empty possibility. I'm asking you, Lord, to do something that the physicians seem to be incapable of doing. And do some heart surgery inside me, God. And let's just see what the king will do. But we're going to pray now. And as we take time to pray, we'll enjoy his presence. And in about 30 minutes or so, I'll get back up, talk to you again. You'll be on your way. But let's start the year off talking to our Heavenly Father. Amen.